Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of the IoT for All podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon, and today's guest is Jennifer Ivins, the CEO and founder of CanScan. She joins us today to talk about the transformative power of IoT in the supply chain and share some background on how CanScan is helping companies automate the inspection process using machine learning and IoT, as well as some of the challenges of working in the maritime shipping space. To give you a little background on Jennifer, she has worked for several years as an analyst for one of the largest ocean carriers in the world. After seeing the problems in tracking and tracing shipping containers, she founded CanScan to utilize leading edge technologies in solving these issues. To give you a little background on CanScan, CanScan has developed a system based on artificial intelligence, machine vision, and data analytics that uses existing cameras and infrastructure to automatically inspect containers transiting into and through a terminal. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Jennifer, learned a lot about an industry that I am personally unfamiliar with, so I think you guys will get a lot of value in this episode. Um, So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Jennifer Ivins, the CEO and founder of CanScan. Welcome, Jennifer, to the IoT for All show. Thanks for being here today. Very nice uh, being here. Yeah, um, I think I would love for you to kind of start off by just introducing yourself to our audience. They'll have a little bit of context when they hear this, but I think hearing it, hearing a little bit more about your background experience um, would be fantastic to get our sense for our audience to hear a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Sounds great. Um, so like I said, my name is Jennifer Ivins. I'm the founder and the CEO of CanScan. Um, I am a industry professional in uh, maritime shipping. I worked for ocean carriers for many years. I saw all sorts of problems in tracking and tracing shipping containers. And honestly, one day I just had enough and I decided it was time to solve this problem. And that's how I founded CanScan. Awesome. And so what does CanScan exactly Exactly do and what are the problems that you saw in the industry that needed to be solved and how are you all solving them? Sure. Um, let me start by explaining, Ryan, that about 80% of everything we buy every day arrives in a shipping container. It's a huge industry. And what's remarkable is that about one in five of these boxes are damaged. And a lot of times we don't even know where they are really. You know, they're getting on ships or on trains or on trucks, they're in between, and it's very hard to keep track of them. So uh, the problem that we're addressing at CanScan is uh, where is the container and in what condition is it? Uh, And this permits us basically to automate a lot of processes that are being manually done by port terminal operators when it comes to validation of containers in their territories. So that's the problem that I'm addressing right now in the industry with CanScan is uh, basically fast tracking the um, inspection process for shipping containers. Okay. So is this a solution um, that's more used by the people at a port when shipping containers come in? Or is it something that is being used kind of the entire duration of this like logistics and supply chain uh, for an individual container? Yeah, very good question. So the first market that we uh, tackled with this technology was the private port terminal operators. So the companies that actually take the boxes off of container ships and uh, into their yards or onto trains and onto trucks. Uh, However, this is a technology that could be used by virtually anybody uh, who uses or transports uh, shipping containers. Or at this point, we're also um, taking this technology and applying it to truck trailers at the same time. So virtually anybody along the supply chain that uses containers or intermodal, um, you know, intermodal transportation to any large extent. So let me ask then, what technologies are you all using? Kind of how does the the solution work end to end at a high level to accomplish kind of this goal and solve this problem? 
Sure. So let me tell you a little bit about how it works now, because this is not an industry that most people know anything about. Exactly. Uh, I, di I didn't know anything about this before I started working for them. So honestly, uh, let me just tell you what happens basically is every time a truck or a train is carrying a container into a yard to be operated on, meaning picked up and placed onto ship, you actually have an individual there whose job is to just track the container with a unique identifier on the container saying, okay, yes, it has arrived and it is in good condition and it is locked. Okay. So this is a task that somebody is doing at the entrance of port terminals. This is a very tedious job. Honestly, uh, it takes a very long time. It's prone to errors uh, in Montreal, which is where our company is located in February. These poor people standing at the ports, uh -huh. uh, you know, counting boxes. It, it's not, not great. Right. So what we're doing here is we're actually repurposing cameras that already exist in the terminal. So just regular security cameras or old school OCR cameras. And we connect these video cameras to our cloud where we do the analysis of the video feeds. And we actually do all the evaluation of the container automatically using machine vision. So machine learning, which is an AI technology. And anytime we see something that's problematic, so we see a container with a hole in it, or we see a container that's missing the lock, uh, we'll actually just alert the people uh, at the terminal to dispatch someone to go and have a look at it. So instead of having somebody standing there all day, <laughs> they actually only get dispatched when they need to be. So it's much more efficient and it actually makes things operate much more quickly at the gates. And is the technology, I mean, it must be obviously in a pretty good spot to avoid error or I guess improve, be produce better results than what, you know, an individual would be able to do and how human error would kind of come into it. I assume it's, it's definitely more efficient and it's obviously a better experience for the individual, but from a company and a business standpoint, what are the results that they're kind of seeing from using this versus, you know, an individual person? Yeah, very good question. So the great thing about this is there's machine learning based. So when we first started with our system, it was not as good as a human being. I'm happy to say that we were below uh, human standard. Now, uh, we've been rolling now for about two years and we've had two years of accumulated data and experiences. So our AI is now uh, above performance of a human being. So it's able to identify problems more quickly than a human being and um, more less subjectively, right? It's much more objective. Uh, and, uh, and the great thing is it's just getting better over over time. And if you compare it to a human being who, and this is normal for anybody, we get fatigued, right? We get jaded, we get fatigued. We, we don't really want necessarily to have to climb up on a top of a ladder to look at the roof of a container. So th these systems permit us to actually do all of that pretty much instantaneously. Okay. Interesting. So as as you kind of stated before, before you got into, the, in, into this industry, you were really unfamiliar with the shipping space and especially in the maritime standpoint. Um, and I'm sure a lot of our audience is new to this. So how would you describe the difference between the maritime shipping kind of industry versus all other shipping industries that you're, you know, you kind of, we have experience with and what are the unique challenges that are faced working in a maritime um, industry as opposed to others? 
Yeah, fair enough. I think most people like you and me, especially in this COVID era, you know, we're ordering everything online. So we're getting to know the last mile delivery people pretty darn well, right? All the FedExes, UPSs, right? So so these are, this is the, the shipping part that people know. Now, there's a whole supply chain before that. That is literally the last part of it. The, fir- the One of the first parts is how do you get the manufactured good from the area that it was manufactured to the area where it's going to be warehoused to the area where it's going to be split up into those last mile vehicles and delivered to the customer. Now, the shipping container is the object that is being used throughout the world uh, to get it, to get uh, goods from the area of manufacture to the area of warehousing or dispatching. Now, and this could be, this could be huge, like huge, um, huge, hugely far apart, right? You, a lot of things are manufactured in China and purchased in Canada and the United States and all around the world. So these are the primary uh, objects that are being used for that. Now, the major um, difficulty I would say with these containers is, uh, well, first of all, you have to monitor them and track them throughout large distances and in many different types of transportation. So the container is actually called an intermodal container. And the reason why is you have trains, you have um, ships, you have trucks. Uh, and so you have to keep track of it throughout all of these different um means of transportation. And these are all private operators most of the time. And they all kind of have their own way of doing things, even though everything should technically be standardized across the board. It's not always the case. Now, one of the good things about what we do is that we use international regulated guides to identify problems with containers. So it's, it's, we're, we're pretty much telling our customers, you know, yes, you have your own subjective way of identifying what a damage is on a container, but we're using international guides. So if we say that there's a damage, there's a damage. And, you know, all of your customers, all of your vendors, all of your partners have the right to know that this container was damaged. And so from a company standpoint, are you all working more directly with the ports? Are you working with the shipping company? Like, where, what's your business relationship and, and kind of connection um, into the space? Where does, where does that kind of, I guess, start? Yeah, it started with uh, the, um, like I said, the private terminal operators at ports, uh, as well as the port authorities. So I'm happy to say the CanScan is currently being used by um, the majority of Canadian port authorities um, for tracking and tracing of containers. Um, this is the two primary markets that we we tackled. Now, um, right away after that, we went for the rail line. So rail operators are now uh, customers as well. Uh, trucking companies. Um, yes. And I, and ocean carriers. Yes. We have ocean carriers as customers as well. So the great thing about what we do is the intermodal container is the same everywhere in the world and everybody has the same problem, even though it might impact their business slightly differently. Now, the next kind of market that we're interested in looking at is insurance, right? So we're, we're interested in potentially partnering with insurance companies down the line. That takes a little bit more convincing, but we're going to get there eventually. Would this be to have insurance companies be able to work with or offer this to their customers and then it reduce the insurance cost? if companies install CanScan at their location or how does that work? 
Yeah, that's pretty much the way I was thinking about it. I'm sure the insurance companies will have their own uh, kind of uh, ideas as well. We're open to it. But one of the major things that we see as a possibility for our technology is not only the here and now, right, which is a tracking and tracing, which is really the strength of IoT, but you can actually bring it to the next level, which is predictive. So we can actually predict the wear and tear of containers and we can anticipate uh, how long that asset is going to be good uh, for transportation transporting objects and when it should be repaired and maintained. And that could actually get worked into insurances, right? So if you have a high cost commodity, so like if you're transporting pharmaceutical products or, you know, uh, meat or something that is very expensive, you might want to pick a box that has, uh, you know, um, has a higher, le- or higher standard, a higher grade based on the predictive models. Gotcha. Okay. And now as you, like, when you start this company and introduce this technology into what seems like a very traditional business sector. Um, we've seen across other industries that are that are similar in that nature that you're often sometimes met with some level of resistance or skepticism because they have their own way of doing things and new technology often scares them and they don't, they're kind of not saying necessarily fear change, but they're just kind of resistant to change. So how d- did that um, experience kind of unfold for you all? What did you learn from it? And how have you been able to overcome introducing a new technology like this into a very traditional business sector? Mm-hmm. Very good question. Um, one of the things I love about the maritime industry is I call it the sleeping giant. Very few people know about it and understand how much of an old school business it is. And now the great thing is the sleeping giant is starting to wake up. These old school companies are seeing the need for innovation and optimization because ever since the recession in 2009, really everybody has understood that by cut, by reducing logistical and operational costs, that's how you're going to be outmaneuvering your competitor. It's not going to be by increasing rates because nobody's going to go for the higher rate. So the only way to do that is by optimizing all your processes. And the smartest way to be able to achieve that is through technology. Now, now that's not to say that they're fast to implement. Uh, To say that you like change and you want to see change, that's one thing. But to actually say, hey, I'm going to be one of the first ones to do it, that's a whole other challenge. So what, what we ended up doing as a company is we identified very quickly the underdogs uh, in the supply chain. And these are the companies that want to look a little bit different from the big guys, right? The old school guys. So these were some of our first customers. So we were able to create um, case studies and we were able to really promote the product and show them how not too painful it is to adopt a new type of technology. And this really does, you know, like when you do get word of mouth and you do get a couple of, uh, you know, good, uh, good reviews under your belt, it does, it does help some of the older old school guys to start considering adopting the technology, at least, you know, for a proof of concept, which, which could lead to a larger contract down the line. Right. And, and what is the main kind of ROI or incentive for companies to adopt this? I mean, I understand how it affects the the previous role that an individual was doing, but what what's the biggest kind of return on their investment um, and selling point for them to to go down this path with you all? Yeah, it really depends which market. Now, if we take the market that we initially uh, tackled, which was uh, terminal operators, basically how it happens, how they get paid by their customers is per box. So every time they process a container, 
they get paid a certain amount. Now, be it by, by being able to accelerate operations at the port by automating the, um, the inspection process, it actually permits them to transfer to pass more containers every year and therefore increase their profits. They can actually even have eventually even more ships come in because the art operations are going more quickly and more efficiently. So it's all about um, really, uh, it's called uh, turnaround time, right? So being able to take a box in and ship it out or, you know, take a bo box off a ship and ship it out by rail as quickly as possible. And that's, that's where the advantage of automation comes in, which is what we do. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. So if we kind of step back and go a little high, more high level here and talk about kind of IOT, talk about machine vision, AI and so forth. How are you seeing the, how, how have they kind of collectively changed the logistics and shipping space um, in general and it kind of is, or what is the role that you see them playing now and into the future um, as the technologies get more mature and these and solutions like this get more adopted? Um, how would you kind of discuss that at a high level with somebody who maybe is, is unfamiliar with, with how they play a role in that? Oh, it's it's a huge change. It's going to revolutionize the supply chain. Um, just talking about losses. So, you know, when we talk about items getting lost in the supply chain or food going bad along the route, uh, just just with waste uh, will be reduced significantly by being able to monitor things more closely. So give you an example. One of the industry's big, big trends right now for IoT is the tracking, tracing and monitoring of refrigerated containers or refrigerated commodities. Right. Um <laughs> Cold chain management, exactly. Exactly, cold chain, uh, cold chain management. So this is hugely important because that's where you have the more the biggest losses uh, in the industry. Now, being able to, for example, on refrigerated containers, now there are IoT devices that are being put on them to track uh, temperature, humidity, location, velocity, uh, open doors, light, all of these all of these different um, indicators to make sure that the goods are being transferred transported, uh, you know, efficiently and uh, on time. So just that is going to be a huge impact to reduce uh, food loss, uh, especially, like I said, considering that 80% of everything that we're purchasing comes, arrives in a container that includes food. So this is, this is huge. Uh, being able to um, more efficiently um, use assets. So I'll give you an example, ships, right? Container ships, being able to load them to their capacity is extremely important to reduce greenhouse gases, right? If you have less ships traveling and they're more fully loaded, that means you need less ships traveling, you know? And this is the kind of thing that you can do by monitoring containers attentively throughout the supply chain, making sure that they are where they're supposed to be. They make their cutoff dates to be loaded onto the ship. Now, I know I'm kind of going still narrowly into containers, but that's really my expertise. But in general, if you're talking about supply chain and manufacturing, I'm sure you've had a, quite a few manufacturing IoT um, experts on your show, but that's also hugely important because you need to have the right um, material for production at the right time, right? And you need to be able to make sure that they get there based on your customer's demand, not, not too much, not too little, right? And th this to me is revolutionary yet again by being able to monitor everything you use using IoT devices. Interesting. Okay. Now let me ask, um, from a connectivity standpoint, what connectivity technologies is this 
relying the like your solution relying the most on? Um, are you doing more cellular based or, or kind of how is, how is it working? And then if it is on the cellular side, how do you see kind of 5G playing a role in the industry? I know we talk about 5G a lot, but um, it's not necessarily the most useful or appropriate technology for a lot of IoT use cases. And I'm kind of curious how it plays into your space. Yeah, you found a field where it applies um, very, very well. So uh, how we work, uh, especially when we apply our technology to mobile equipment. So we, we apply our technology not only to the entrance and exits of terminals, but also to cranes and to like uh, these giant forklifts, right, that transport containers in the yards. So the, the way that we have found to connect these pieces of equipment to our cloud-based AI is through three different uh, potential um, sources. So if the yards already have Wi-Fi connectivity, so, um, you know, kind of like a patchwork Wi-Fi mesh network, we can use that. Now, uh, many times this Wi-Fi is not really great. Uh, you know, if you've ever stood next to a shipping container, you'll, you realize it's a giant, giant metallic box and it's probably the most perfect object to block Wi-Fi that you can imagine. So it creates all sorts of dead zones. So what we actually do is we have um, an edge device uh, on uh, these pieces of equipment that can switch between the Wi-Fi, the 4G and when available the 5G so that we can actually use whatever is the most efficient way of communicating with the cloud. Uh, to your question about 5G, CanScan is, is definitely positioning itself to be able to use 5G in Canada as soon as possible. We're actually part of a group called ACA, which is a 5G testing network in Quebec and Ontario, where we're actually testing uh, our technology on these special 5G networks. And I'll tell you, I'm very excited to see this apply to the ports because it's going to make a big, big change for us. Yeah, I bet. That's really interesting. Okay. Um, so I guess as we currently stand in the, the shipping industry, um, what do you see as the major needs for adoption to increase, you know, from your point of view, what, what, and then also what factors would you say contribute the most to adoption in this space? Is it a technology thing? Is it a, you know, you need more use cases and examples for people to be able to see it proven out? Is it, you know, what, I guess, what are, what is it out there that is, would contribute the most to adoption and um, what factors do you think contribute the most? The first thing is always return on investment right? You need to prove the ROI can be done very quickly on these types of new technology. Uh, secondly, what I think is very important is security, right? So ports are, are, are extremely, extremely um, aware of how uh, dangerous uh, it is to open up um, basically their, their databases to the world, right? They're basically transporting everything in the Canadian economy. Any, anything, well, in any economy, most of it goes through the ports, right? So they are, are have these super, super high standards for security of, of transmitting data. So uh, what we've done is we've actually participated in an ex accelerators that are uh, specifically made to help us uh, secure the architecture of our IoT devices. Uh, and I, I would recommend that any young company out there that wants to go work in IoT in these large, you know, like enterprise level um, businesses or, or markets needs to put a lot, a lot of time in creating a secure architecture. Uh, 
So that's what I would start with. I would say return on investment needs to be proven. And the best way to do that is with test cases, white papers, uh, client referrals. And then the second thing is security. For sure, you need to prove security. And the third thing, which I think a lot of people forget in technology is change management. Okay, so being able to explain to a customer, this is like, we're not trying to change your processes here. We're just trying to optimize them as much as possible. And in our case, by reusing as many of your active assets as possible without having to change your yard, change your way of doing things. We just want to optimize um, how your how your yard works. So that those are the three things I would really put emphasis on. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Um, so I guess speaking more about your company um, and kind of where you all are going, what do you see as, as the major hurdles over the next you know, 12 to 18 months to kind of get to where you're going? Or are there any specific challenges that you guys are actively looking to kind of overcome and battle with right now? You know, the, the, the most um, amazing thing about a young company is when it starts really gaining momentum, which is where we're at. It's, it's this, this aha moment, you know, like when you hit the nail on the head, you're like, yes, people, people need what we're, what we're producing. But at the same time you realize, Oh, darn, I, I, I need more people. (laughs) Right. So I think it's growing pains. I think for the next, uh, 12 to 18 months, our our company is going to have to deal with the growing pains of, uh, bringing on new customers, attacking new markets, uh, another thing that is is difficult for IoT companies like ourselves is um, basically being international right from the beginning. Uh, we have customers in Europe. We have customers um, that we're, we're that we're setting up currently in Asia. Uh, you know, we have customers obviously all throughout Canada. And for a young company, um, you know, that's that's a that's a large um, part of the market to tackle. You know, at the very early stage. Um, but, but we had no choice. This is what the market is, right? There's only a handful of ports in Canada. So we had to reach internationally right away. So, so yeah, growing pains is my answer. Okay. All right. All right. Um, and I just had a curiosity, how has the kind of pandemic affected your business? Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, when it hit in March, we lost some contracts. We lost many of our really, uh, important contracts that we were really counting on this year to bring in the the money we needed to keep our our people going. We ended up actually using a lot of the Canadian government programs to help us stay afloat for those couple of months, because you know how it is with a young company, cash flow is tight, right? But then all of a sudden, when our industry realized that, hey, this this thing is going to last longer than we thought it was going to last, they realized we have to automate and we have to set up remote work. And that's when they all came knocking. So we, we've gotten a lot of business since then, um, a lot of proof of concepts, a lot of discussions that we're, we're, you know, we're undergoing with customers and we're hoping to really break through in 2021. Okay. Very cool. Well, that's very exciting. Um, I'm out of curious also, how, how big is the company? I, I meant to ask that earlier on. <laughs> yeah. As of today, we're, we're 12 employees. Okay. Very cool. Well, it sounds like everything's going really well, which is great. Um, I guess before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask if, um, is there anything else that we haven't covered as far as like news, things about your organization that, um, that that may be worth kind of noting to our audience or anything they should kind of be on the lookout for if, um, you know, as they kind of follow along with this conversation and, and kind of, you know, pay attention to what CanScan is doing in the, in the future. 
Sure. Uh, one of the things that we actually done this year uh, is we uh, won a uh, an international competition that was put forth by a video management solution provider called Milestone, Milestone Systems. Uh, and they're a, a big uh, VMS for uh, the shipping industry. So because we won that, now we're on a platform. So you can actually use us as an app in that VMS. So it's a very quick add-on for anybody who already has Milestone Systems. Uh, we're also integrating with several other terminal operating systems, video management solution providers. Um, and we're basically going to be powering the brain behind a bunch of different systems. You may not see us. We might be whitelisted, but we will be the power behind the AI. So we're, we're very happy to, to do that, to give uh, companies a competitive advantage um, by with the AI side. Very cool. Okay. And if um, listeners out there are interested to learn more about the company, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they can contact us. So you can go and have a look at our website. It's uh, canscantech.com canscantech.com uh, or you can contact us at our general email address which is info info at canscantech.com that's c-a-n-s-c-a-n-t-e-c-h.com awesome well we'll make sure we link all that up in our description the article and everything we do to kind of promote this episode when it goes live um, but other than that Jennifer this has been fantastic I've learned more about the maritime shipping industry than I ever thought I would know and I, I appreciate your time and, and shedding some light on uh, you know an industry that we all uh, that involves all of our lives or affects all of our lives in some capacity or another that we probably don't think too much about. And it's really interesting stuff you have going on. So, so I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It was really nice uh, getting to talk about it uh, instead of uh, going through lines of code. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Is So be like when you started the company, I've, um, were you focused more on the kind of engineering? So I know you, what you started out as, as like, as an analyst role in, in the maritime That's space, correct? correct? Yeah. Is it, do you have like an engineering background as far as like writing code and so forth or? Oh, I, I love to say this part. I have absolutely no background in anything that has anything to do with either shipping, engineering or technology. Okay. Zero. Okay. I, I, I learned it all as I developed professionally. Cool. My background is in sociology. Fantastic. Okay. That's awesome. Now, do, you, do you actively do any of the engineering now for the company? or do you, okay. I do. Wow. I do. Love absolutely. That. And this is, yeah, you know what? AI can be learned by anybody. I'm proof of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Also, you know, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and you should be fine. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Especially on the engineering side. I mean, uh, trying to figure that out yourself, I mean, you can use Stack Overflow and a few other resources, but I, I you know, you, you need people who know what they're doing around you to help teach you. So that's great. And agree more. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. Thanks again for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll reconnect sometime in the near future to get an update on what's going on with CanScan. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Thanks again for listening to that episode of the IoT for All podcast with our guest, Jennifer Ivins, the CEO and founder of CanScam. If you found a lot of value, we would truly appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Feel free to also subscribe to our podcast directly, our newsletter, or our social media to ensure you get the latest episodes as soon as they become available. Other than that, if you have someone you think would make a great guest or someone you'd love to hear uh, their insights or their take on the IoT industry, please feel free to send me an email at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them on the show. But other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.